All right, turn in your Bibles to Proverbs 10. Did you notice in your questions, um, did you notice um, how many times you had to read it <laughs> to get the answer? <gasps> I'll tell you, sometimes I even surprise myself how smart I am. No, <laughs> I'm teasing you. You know, it's amazing when you write the questions, you know, back last summer, and then I do them. I forget that I wrote them. I think, boy, you know, that is the way we need to do Proverbs because that way we go over my own over them. Otherwise, you know, with Proverbs, you might read one here or there or whatever, but this way, you've got to take a chunk of Scripture and keep going over it and over it. And again, that's the point, so that we get to know it better and better. So last week, we, we had the great instruction in the, and I prayed about it already this morning, that faith is not a new word. It's fundamental in a growing and maturing relationship. Our faith should be, we should be desiring to strengthen that faith so that we trust him more, that we see less and less of our own human feelings, and that we really do trust him with our lives, with our situations. He expected that from Abraham. He expected it from David. I love the way Paul approached that saying, hey, and he hasn't changed. He expects you to live by faith. Faith pleases him. We, we accept this Bible by faith. We accept um, the crucifixion, the resurrection, the ascension. We accept that by faith. None of us were there. So by faith, we believe it happened. And you should know it's true by the way it's changing you. So he talked about that, and then we, we close that chapter, and I think it's very important to see how the definition of hope has two definitions. There's an earthly hope, and there's a heavenly hope. And that's why Abraham, it said, against all hope, against all logic, against all human hope. I mean, their bodies were as good as dead, the Bible said. So, you know, the idea of having a child was, you know, not realistic at all. So it says, against all hope, in hope, Abraham believed. So he had to choose to not look at earthly hope, which is wishful thinking and realistic. He had to choose to look at the hope that, that we'll study next week in Romans 5 about the hope, the heavenly hope that will never disappoint us. You can hang on to that hope and you can be sure of it. None of this, well, I hope it turns. No, his hope is a sure thing. When he says something, you can count on it. So the good, good instruction last week. So now as we move into the Proverbs of 10, 11, and 12, I, we, we see a whole difference in the way Solomon is writing this. He wrote the first nine chapters in kind of a poetry, talking to his son. And now from 10 to 22, he's going to do these little two-liners. And so it's a different way to get your attention. But let me tell you, in these two liners, there is a proverb for everything. No matter what season of life you're in, no matter what your situation is, there is a proverb here for everyone, no matter what. Now, he starts out by saying, a wise son brings joy to his father, but a foolish son brings grief to his mother. Now, in a perfect world, in a perfect world, the way the family was set up is that every child has a mother and a father. Now, I know that it's not a perfect world, and there's, sing there's some single parents doing a bang-up job. But in a perfect, when, when it was created, 
It was intended that there would be a father and a mother. And why? Because man and a and a woman are totally different. I mean, um, and the best way I can, and I've used this illustration before, but I tell you, when Chad was Iron Man, you know, I really saw the difference between me and Tom. Because when he came around that final, after swimming three three miles, after riding a bike 115 miles, and now he's, he ran 13.1 miles, he's coming around ready to do his final stretch. And I'm thinking, oh, good, he's only got 13 miles to go. I mean, think about that, only 13 miles to go. But he comes around the corner, and he looks straight at me, straight at me. He looks at me, and he says, I don't think I can make it. And, of course, my motherly, this is the way mothers operate. My first thought was jumping the fence and carrying them the rest of the way. You know, that's what mothers do. They fix the problem in a way. But more realistically, my, I knew that was, that was impossible. But I, my motherly instinct was to look at that tired face. And I, I just, you know, what I wanted to say to him was, just stop it then. You come across here, I'll rub your feet, I'll, I'll do whatever it takes. I, I want, you know, this whole thing was ridiculous to begin with. I think anybody who wants to abuse their body like that is, is not even smart up there, you know. And then I, and then I thought, too, and, and if you think you've got to be impressive, I don't know why you have to do this to impress somebody. I love you the way you are. You don't have to be an Iron Man for me to love you any more than I do. That's mom. And that's why he looked at me. That's why he, because he needed that kind of, oh, my boy. You know, I don't care how old they are. They still love that motherly. But then, then this is when I know that, that we're so different. Because while I'm feeling this, Tom is starting to yell. And I'm th- I look at him. Like, how mean are you? Because you know what he does? He steps, he starts running along with Chad, and he starts yelling at him like, you get going. You didn't train all this time to be a quitter now. I mean, he is, but see, that's the difference. A father motivates, kind of pushes forward. You know, they don't have that drippy feeling of, you know, like moms do, but yet they, they need them both. And, you know, sure enough, you know, if he had listened to me, he would have stopped. But he, but because Tom said, okay, he got the look from you that he needed. But now he's going to finish because I know that he's going to be sorry if he doesn't. And he did finish. But when I read that, I thought, that's why Solomon said, you know, a wise, a wise son brings joy to his father because a, a father just knows how to initiate and push forward and, and knows how to do it. They love just as much, but they have a different way of doing it. But, you know, a foolish man brings grief to his mom. See, that approaches that inside. We feel so deeply. So it made perfect sense to me. And then he goes on. Then he starts the two-liners. He says, ill-gotten treasures are of no value. You think about how hard people work for things today. You talk about putting all their eggs in one basket, whether it's to achieve or whether you would it to obtain, whether that it's kind of like what I said to Chad. Do you think you have to be impressive? Do you think that this is what you need for people to like you or, or whatever? You think about how much people work at that today. And here, he says it right here. Um, you know, things of this world, treasures, ill-gotten treasures of things, you know, they're of no value. 
but righteousness delivers from death. That's why I prayed this morning. There is nothing like waking up every morning that no matter what's going to happen this day, you've got the blessed assurance no one can take away what you've got. No one can take away what should be the most important thing in your life is that you are, you are um, not lost. You're saved. You're saved from your sin, yourself, from judgment, from hell. You have, a, you've got eternity to be with your Savior forevermore. That should be something to you. And he said, you know, righteousness, because you've been made right at the cross, you have that promise. You've been delivered from eternal death. That should matter to you. You should be working at that and being more thankful for that than things that, that really don't matter. The Lord does not let the righteous go hungry. Now, that doesn't just mean literally. He doesn't. The Lord sees that. And I'm reminded of what Paul said. What did Paul say in the book of Philippians? And you can count on the fact that he will supply what? All that you need. And again, it might be physical, but it also, you know, maybe you need some strength today. Maybe you just need some comfort today. Maybe you just need, I mean, he knows what you need. Sometimes it's just, Lord, I don't even know what I need today, but you do. And the thing is, he, he can't wait to give that to you. But he thwarts. That means prevent from accomplishing something. Prevent it from happening. Boy, he'll stop the cravings, the plans of the wicked. Lazy hands make a man poor. But diligent hands bring wealth. I mean, of course. Lazy? You know, you don't work. When did work start, by the way? When did work really start? I think a lot of people think it started after the fall. But it started before the fall. In a perfect world, there was work going on. You know, that's why that home mentality about heaven, about, you know, floating in a cloud and playing your harp all the time. That's such a ridiculous concept because in the new heaven and new earth, I believe we'll, we'll be like the Garden of Eden again. We will work. But after the fall, work made you tired. Work, you know, did a lot of things that were negative. But in a perfect world, work is a good thing. And so he's talking about, you know what? You, you're lazy. If you're lazy, you don't earn what you need to earn, but diligent hands bring wealth. He who gathers crops in summer is a wise son. I mean, this is, these, these two kind of go together. It's like, you know, about right now, it's the harvest time for the corn, and, you know, maybe a farmer says, you know what, I just don't feel like doing it this year. Nope, not going to, you know, and there just rots on the stalk. You know, and maybe he had a lot of free time, and oh, maybe he did a lot of fun things during that time. But when it came right down to it, when he needed to gather food for his cows or whether he needed to sell to make money for his family the rest of the year, oh, surprise, nothing there. Blessings crown the head of the righteous. Blessings crown the head of the righteous. Blessings, inward you know, like Thursday, we're going to count our blessings. And many of us will count our blessings uh, of children, grandchildren, um, health, uh, food. Uh, you know, we'll name them all. Yeah. But you know what? I think that word does. I've said it before. It gets used loosely. The blessings that he gives are blessings we do not want to miss. 
even though, yes, every good and perfect gift does come from above, when he says, blessings crown the head, that's, that's things like assurance, um, joy, and peace, and hope. Now, those are things that, again, come from within. Because you've been made right, you have got the privilege of claiming those blessings. So he says, blessings, crown, they're of great value. They're the ones, you know, because what is a crown? A crown is very valuable. The blessings that he gives that nothing of this world can give, those blessings crown the righteous but violence overwhelms the mouth of the wicked. The memory of the righteous will be a blessing. The memory of the righteous will be a blessing. I looked at that and I thought, do you know that what we do with our now, the moments, remember that little Gaither song that said, we have this moment to hold in our hands and to touch as it slips through our finger like sand. Yesterday's gone, but tomorrow may never come, but we've got this moment today. Do you know what we're doing today is what, our kids and our grandkids, when they sit around the table and laugh and have their family time, they're going to say, remember when mom, remember when grandma, I'm telling you, I am determined that I don't have my kids and my grandkids sitting around the table someday when I'm gone saying, man, she was crabby all the time. <laughs> she, she didn't have any time for us. She, uh, you know, I want him to remember. I want him to remember things that really matter. So that determines, that determines my now, what I'm doing now. And I think that's what he meant. The memory of the righteous will be a blessing. And if you are right before God, you can count on what's coming out of you then, what your children and grandchildren and people see, then that's what they'll talk about someday. but the name of the wicked will rot. Ugh. That, that's, a, that's a strong one. The wise in heart accept commands. You know, if you really are wise, then you know that sometimes you need to be disciplined. Sometimes you need to be, to be um, uh, corrected. Sometimes you just downright need to be rebuked. And a wise person knows that that's just, you know, I don't know everything now. Maybe I had good intentions, but it came out wrong or whatever. Sometimes we just need being corrected. And even though it might not feel real nice at first, you know that it was necessary. It needed to be brought to your attention. But a chattering fool comes to ruin. The man of integrity walks securely. The man of integrity. Don't you just love that word, integrity? I looked it up, and it is synonyms that describe integrity are sincere, truthful, honest, strong moral ethics, upright. Just great words. I heard that a real person with integrity are all those words when no one's around. <laughs> That's when you know you really walk with integrity is when you're sincere and truthful and honest and strong, upright, even when no one's watching. But he who takes crooked paths will be found out. You know what? I call that shortcuts. 
I think of those who they want a shortcut in knowing the Lord. They don't want to spend all that time studying. They they don't want, you know, they don't want to be disciplined. They want life to be comfortable and happy all the time. To me, that's crooked paths. Because that's taking shortcuts. And it doesn't work that way. And you know what? You'll be found out because you won't you won't be standing strong. It will be found out because, you know, the real you is going to be found out. You can fake it for a while, but he who winks maliciously causes grief. And a chattering fool comes to ruin. The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life. I wrote in my Bible, I found the verse where Jesus said himself, out of the mouth, the heart really speaks. You know, and th this grabbed me because I thought, you know, I have to be working more at my heart because, you know, yeah, like I said, we can fake it for a while, but if you really want to be real, that no matter where you are, who you're with, what you're doing, that out of your mouth, your heart speaks. Then the mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life because then out of your mouth comes good things, things that might be helpful for someone. Some it, Out of your mouth comes things that are worthwhile. But violence overwhelms the mouth of the wicked. Hatred stirs up dissension. Now, this, this verse 12, you can write in your Bibles here, good for holiday time. <laughs> I told you there's a proverb for every situation. Now, hatred, I know it's a strong word, and, you know, maybe in your big family gathering, there's always one. One that just seems to want to make things difficult. Now, this verse is for you because hatred, believe it or not, um, you can either fight back and it just cause tension and dissension among, you know, and, but also if you decide not to say anything, but yet you, you don't, you don't um, take it to the Lord, you find that this inner feeling is causing dissension among you, inside you. And then you're kind of a little crabby one. And maybe you have a, uh, there's no joy on your face because you've not handled this. And so now inside of you is welling up this dissension. But look at that, look at the second line. And, and it's not just this superficial. This is talking about you're in these proverbs, you see the fruit of the spirit. It's it's uncanny. I mean, the fruit of the spirit come into being when you are listening to the wisdom of God, when you're listening to his mouth and you're listening to his instruction. The love that he's talking about is that unconditional love that he had for you when you didn't deserve it. He said, okay, you know what? I'll deal with this person later, but right now, I'm dealing with you and how you're handling this. And love covers over all wrongs. 
Let. That's right. You got it down. But isn't that true? Because your human response is to react to it. But, you know, so whether Peter said it or James talks about it a lot, um, he knows that, you know, we have a choice in the matter. And if you allow the, the Holy Spirit, that power source within you, to say, you know what, let it go. Let that unconditional love just... And then wisdom is found on the lips of the discerning. Now, remember, from the start of Proverbs, we've been talking about wisdom is discerning, it's prudence, it's intellect, it's knowledge. All these words all come together for wisdom. And what it is is that you've got the ability to make a right choice. And so wisdom is found on the lips of the discerning. I just think that I appreciate that. I, I want this wisdom because in, in any and every situation, I want the ability to make a right choice. And the choice, it's only two. There's only two choices. It's either I do it God's way or I do it my way. And wisdom is found on the lips of the discerning. But a rod is for the back of him who lacks judgment. Wise men store up knowledge. You know, you can tell that you are getting wiser, and I hope this is every one of you. And, you know, every week I see, I see our, our crowd stay the same, and you know what that means? You are maturing. You have a desire to want to learn, and so that's a sign that you are getting wiser because wise men store up knowledge. You want to you wanna listen. You want to learn it so that when you need it, there it is. But the mouth of a fool invites ruin. Boy, that is so true. The wealth of the rich is their fortified city, but poverty is the ruin of the poor. Now, you can take that literally, and if you've got a lot, then I mean, share. <laughs> but but um, I think it's spiritually, it's saying that wisdom is what makes you rich. That's your real wealth. The wealth of the rich is their fortified city. I can tell the difference. I mean, fortified city, I kind of I put my home in there. The, the wiser I'm getting, the more it's fortifying my home. It makes a difference. You don't, you don't, uh, you don't get shook. You don't fall into that, that um, anxiety and worry. You don't fall into that negativity and critical spirit. You find that wisdom, the wealth of wisdom, will keep everybody. Because hey, isn't it true that we're the thermostat of that home? Doesn't mean we're ahead of the home. It means that we're the thermostat. You know that. That funny little phrase, when mama's happy, everybody's happy, you know. But it's true. We are, we are the thermostat. And I, I'm telling you that wisdom is such great wealth. And it can fortify your home. But poverty is the ruin of the poor. You don't have it. <laughs> you don't have that, 
stability. You don't have that fortified strength and that wisdom from God. Everything falls apart. The wages of the righteous bring them life, but the income of the wicked brings them punishment. That, in a nutshell, says, you know what? You're going to get what you, you will get what you got coming. <laughs> Basically, the wages of the righteous bring them life. He promises that, but the income of the wicked brings them punishment. That's he who heeds discipline shows the way to life. You know, sometimes we just plain need discipline. But whoever ignores correction leads others astray. That reminded me of Matthew 23 when Jesus said to the Pharisees, you are leaders, people are expecting, and they're following you. And what did he call them? He called them, you blind guides. They would ignore, they would not heed correction. They wouldn't, they ignored Jesus' words. And yet, because they thought they were so religious and they were the leadership religiously that people followed. And he said, you're blind guides. You're going to lead them right to hell. He who conceals his hatred has lying lips. Now, Solomon here, this, this, this line here, he, I don't think he's talking just to pagans. I think he's talking to Christians here. And I'll tell you, the best of Christians, you harbor a hatred. You harbor an unforgiving spirit. You harbor a grudge. What did he say? Uh, you harbor, you conceal that. Guess what? You have lined lips. Now you think, no, no, no. Yes, you do. Yes, I do. Now, that doesn't mean you lose your salvation, but to say that, oh, I'm a Christian, that's a bunch of baloney right now because a, a Christian means I'm following Christ. Well, guess what Christ did for us? He forgave. And so if you're concealing a hatred or an unforgiving spirit or a grudge, you've got lying lips. You can profess that you're walking with the Lord all you want, but you're lying. Well, that, that's severe, isn't it? He catches you. You're harboring that. You think, oh, nobody knows. They got to come and I just, you know. No, that's not what Jesus did. And if you're a follower of his, then you do what he did. And whoever spreads slander is a fool. Talking about people, gossiping. When words are many... When words are many, sin is not absent. When words are many, that means when you just can't stop talking. All you do is talk, 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 talk. Do you know what? Sin is not absent because usually, usually too many words. You know, you know what verse came to my mind there was in James chapter 1. Remember when James said, take note of this. In other words, this is important. Write it down if you have to. Take note of this. Be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. So take note of this. And I think that's what the proverb means. The words of many, when the words are many, sin is not absent. But he who holds his tongue is wise. 
The tongue of the righteous is choice silver. Again, when the mouth speaks the condition of the heart, and when the heart is right, your words are like silver. They're valuable. But the heart of the wicked is of little value. The lips of the righteous nourish many. Just think your, your words can even nourish. But fools die for lack of judgment. The blessing of the Lord brings wealth. And we know that wealth here doesn't necessarily mean just money. It means wealth of understanding, wealth of assurance, wealth of knowing who you are in Christ, hope, confidence. A fool finds pleasure in evil conduct, but a man of understanding delights in wisdom. You know, a fool does find pleasure in evil conduct. You know, for a while, sin does look fun. And you think, oh, boy, this is going to make me feel good right now. <laughs> so I understand that line. But a man of understanding delights in wisdom. Because, you know, when the fun is over, then there's usually, <laughs> you, there's usually uh, consequences to pay. And it could be as simply as going to bed that night and you can't get to sleep because you wish you hadn't said, you wish you hadn't done. It can be that simple. At the time, oh, maybe you were the life of the party. You know, maybe that joke, oh, made everybody laugh. But then at night when you're thinking, you know, in the quietness, when the Holy Spirit's saying, ooh, are you going to start to listen to me here? Because uh, you got a little correcting to have happen here, you know. So he's saying, eliminate that so you don't even have to have that to begin with. What the wicked dreads will overtake him, what the righteous desire will be granted. It's kind of like what we sang this morning. It will be worth it all. Yep, what's been promised to us as his children is going to happen. But on the flip side, what's promised to those who don't, do not accept and those who stay in the, the moment, their own selves. When the storm has swept by, the wicked are gone. If you want to take verse 25 with verse 24, it means that when judgment is over, guess what? The wicked are gone because they're all cast in the place where God warned them. But the righteous stand firm forever. We breeze through that judgment because we stand firm in our righteousness. Or it could mean the storms of life. If you don't have a firm foundation, if your roots, if your roots aren't down deep, the storm comes, guess what? You're plowed right over, pushed right into your corner of despair and hopelessness. But when the storm goes past someone who's righteous, and I hope and pray that this is your experience, that you find that, yes, you do feel. Yes, you do cry. Yes, you do hurt. But by cracking, you're standing firm because you have faith in the one who's in charge of it all. As vinegar to the teeth and smoke to the eyes, <laughs> so is a slugger to those who send them. I tell you, I can't even imagine vinegar to the teeth and 
smoke in the eyes. Oh, so irritating. So is that loafer, that good for nothing to those who send them. Very irritating. The fear of the Lord adds length to life, but the years of the wicked are cut short. I'm telling you, how long, how long, if you're righteous before the Lord, if you've gone to the cross and the blood has covered your sins and you are saved and Jesus is yours and you worship a Savior today, how long are you going to live? You better believe it. And if you don't, what are you promised? Eternal death. The prospect of the righteous is joy. Again, I say this so often, but what a great way to live. No matter, no matter if you're not happy, you still can have joy. It's the another fruit of the Spirit. Because what's most important in your life, no, one's, no one can take away. But the hopes of the wicked come to nothing. Nothing to look forward to. I mean, we have something to look forward to. Like Jesus, he endured the cross. The writer of Hebrews said he endured the cross because he knew the joy that awaited him. Oh, did he have prospects of joy when he thought, I'm ridden this human body once and for all. I paid the price. I did the job perfectly. And he knew that joy, he would be back where he should be. Well, guess what? We've got the same prospects of joy. But the hopes of the wicked come to nothing. The way of the Lord is a refuge for the righteous. Oh, that's beautiful too. The way of the Lord is a refuge for the righteous. It's kind of going back to the Psalms and hearing David say, God is my refuge and my strength, ever present in this time of trouble. Or under his wings. Try to picture that one. Under God's big, majestic wings. Because that's what Isaiah saw. I saw the Lord seated on the throne. It's, it's high and exalted. And his wings. I mean, it, it's such a beautiful description. And, Dan, and then the writer of the psalm said, under his wings, we can take refuge. But it is the ruin of those who do evil. The righteous will never be uprooted. But the wicked will not remain in the land. The mouth of the righteous brings forth wisdom, but a perverse tongue will be cut out. The lips of the righteous know what is fitting. Boy, I starred that. I underlined that because the thing is, the lips of the righteous know what to say, when to say it, and when to not say anything. Sometimes just keep my lips quiet. <laughs> The lips of the righteous know what is fitting. To me, that's big. I want to listen to this wisdom. I want to stay right before God. I want, my, I want to keep my heart right before him because then I know that what comes out of my mouth or what I'll know when to speak and when not to speak. It's fitting. The Lord hates dishonest scales, but Acro waits. I mean, he just plain likes to just true blue honesty. When pride comes, then comes disgrace. But with humility comes wisdom. I think Solomon knew that because I think his dad sat him down one day and said, let me tell you about this word called pride. It comes before a fall. I look at those words. But with humility comes wisdom. I think David told Solomon all about it. 
The integrity of the upright guides them. You know, I think, I think the integrity, I think when you walk in integrity, you think twice before you either do it or speak it. The integrity of the upright guides them. But the unfaithful are destroyed by their duplicity. Wealth is worthless in the day of wrath. I wrote, I wrote in my Bible that just a crazy little phrase. Can't pull a U-Haul to heaven. You hear that, but there, there's your proverb. Wealth is worthless in the day of wrath. You are not going to be able to say, oh, let me write you a check. Can I? It's kind of like that rich young ruler. What must I do to have that eternal home? Oh, let me write you a check. And Jesus said, no, I want you. So wealth is worthless in the day of wrath, but righteousness delivers from death. The righteousness of the blameless makes a straight way for them. You know, when your heart is right, you know the path to take, and it's that forward motion. You don't look side to side about what people think and what people are saying. You don't stay in your past. I love the way it says that the righteous make us make of the blameless makes a straight way for them now i know you you don't consider yourself blameless i'm certainly not blameless but i sure am a whole lot different than i was a year ago and i hope that i'm different than i was a week ago i believe that when you stay on that straight path you're becoming more and more like christ you're now looking side to side you're not Staying backwards. But the wicked are brought down by their own wickedness. The righteousness of the upright delivers them, but the unfaithful are trapped by evil desires. Look at you got, would you rather be delivered or would you rather be trapped? There's the contrast. When a wicked man dies, his hope perishes. You know, the, the wicked, the one who don't buy all this, they're, li they're living in that earthly hope, that wishful thinking. <laughs> when it comes to the end, guess what? All that wishful thinking goes right down the tube. All he expected from his power comes to nothing. All that he worked for to be somebody here, to make people think that he was somebody. He put all his, his, his uh, time and effort in what he is here. That's strong. The righteous man is rescued from trouble, and it comes on the wicked instead. The righteous man is rescued from trouble. I, I put there salvation. The next line, I put lost. The righteous man is rescued. We've been rescued from what we deserve. And where is it going to go instead? On those who don't realize it. With his mouth, the godless destroys his neighbor, but through knowledge, the righteous escape. With his mouth, the godless destroys his neighbor. So there again, it, you know, who is your neighbor? I went back to that parable where, where one of the religious leaders said, who is my neighbor? And Jesus said, well, I got a story for you. And he told the story of the good Samaritan. Who is your neighbor? It's anybody who comes in contact with you. It could literally be a neighbor. And if you have a difficult neighbor, and I did for five years, 
And boy, it would have been so easy when he just was mean. It would have been so easy to give back. Because boy, did he have a coming. But five years later, he's standing at my door with his big basket full of beautiful things. And he said, I just want to apologize for my behavior of the past five years. And I am determined that if my mouth, and he's not a Christian or anything, and I'm telling you, you have got the right, the mouth of the godless will destroy that neighbor. But through knowledge, the righteous escape. So, I mean, it's, it's who you're, especially in the long lines, if you still got to get groceries yet, don't expect it to be fun. And so all of these Proverbs, the Lord's going to help bring them to your recall. <laughs> because your neighbor could be standing right next to you in that line, the one ahead of you, the clerk, the empty shelves of that one thing that you need. And it could be that person filling the shelves gets a piece of your mind. All this. I mean, I'm talking about putting you into your real world and you realize that if you instantly turn godless, and I think even Christians can turn godless sometimes. When you fall to yourself, the God that's living with inside you has no say at all. You are godless. When the, when the righteous prosper, the city rejoices. When the wicked perish, there are shouts of joy. I love to think of that heaven. I think that someday the sights and the sounds of heaven, the rejoicing that we will have. And when we see all evil banished to eternal hell, I know there's going to be shouts of joy because all justice will reign all wrong will be righted. Through the blessing of the upright, a city is exalted. But by the mouth of the wicked, it is destroyed. A man who lacks judgment derides his neighbor, but a man of understanding holds his tongue. A gossip betrays a confidence. How sad is that? Somebody's trusting you with a secret. But, you know, you can get a little, you can get a little something when somebody, you get a little attention when you say, boy, do I got some news for you. You'll have, see that little element, you'll have fun for a while because you're the one that's got the news. Gossip betrays the confidence, but a trustworthy man keeps the secret. For lack of guidance, a nation falls. Whoa. But many advisors make victory sure. He who puts up security for another will surely suffer. Ruby was helping me with that when she was saying that one time out of the goodness of Tom's heart, her husband Tom, he signed, he signed for a young person who was going to buy a car for a certain amount of money. But when he got Tom's signature, he bought one for a lot more and then stopped paying and so then the bank came after Tom, and Tom had to pay it. He who puts up security for another will surely suffer, but whoever refuses to strike hands and pledge is safe. Maybe maybe you've never done that, but I, you know what I kind of put for my own self? I thought, you know what, don't promise anything you can't fulfill. 
You might look like the big hero for now, but if you can't fulfill that, don't give a promise you can't fulfill. A kind-hearted woman gains respect. Here's another fruit of the Spirit. That fruit of kindness. You know what that fruit of kindness is? It's not just being nice. It's selflessness. A kind-hearted woman gains respect when you're selfless. But a cruel man brings trouble on himself. No, wait a minute. No, but a ruthless man gain only wealth. A kind man benefits himself, but a cruel man brings trouble on himself. The wicked man earns deceptive wages, but he who sows righteousness reaps a sure reward. I mean, it's exactly, this isn't difficult. God says, you better believe it. I promise that you will get what you deserve. You will reap what you sow. I mean, this is, you can count on that. The truly righteous man attains life. No. And he who pursues evil goes to his death. Boy, that's an understatement, right? I mean, again, we're promised life. The one who refuses, they are going to go to eternal death. The Lord detests men of perverse heart, but he delights in those whose ways are blameless. Verse 21, this is an underlined star one. Be sure of this. Solomon has been saying it in the last couple Proverbs, but now he nails it. The wicked will not go unpunished, but those who are righteous will go free. How many got a good old laugh in verse 22? I just laughed right out loud. Like a gold ring and a pig's snout. Now, Remember, Solomon is a Jew. What did Jews think of pigs? I mean, it was the lowest of the low. A, it's unclean. A pig is gross. A pig is pathetic. And Solomon, I just loved his analogy. He says, I don't care how much jewelry you put on a pig, it's still a pig. I know. But the next line is saying, like a, just like a gold rain a pig snout, so is a beautiful woman who shows no discretion. In other words, you can have pretty hair, you can have pretty makeup, you can have pretty clothes, you can have beautiful jewelry, and it determines on where you're going, who you're with, and what you're, and what you're saying, and how you're living, and you can have all that covering, but if you have no discretion, if you don't make good choices, you're a pig. In all reality, I mean, that, that really got to me because I think we're seeing a lot of that today. Cover up the real lust with a lot of things. I'll tell you, Proverbs and Romans, it's, it's stripping us, isn't it? It's taking off all the jewelry all over. You talk about, remember, we go back to the seven sons of Sceva. I mean, you talk about, you know, being exposed and they ran away, remember, naked and bleeding. I mean, sometimes when you're exposed, that's what you feel like. Don't look at me. I don't want you to see the real me. Well, God says, I do. I see the real you, and I want to, I want to get exposed so that you can be set free of that. You're playing games. You're just like a pig with a gold ring. It's worthless. You're artificial. The desire of the righteous ends only in good, but the hope of the wicked only in wrath. 
One man gives freely yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly but comes to poverty. A generous man will prosper. He who refreshes others will himself be freshed, refreshed. Have you ever given because the Lord told you to give? And, and yes, you've helped somebody else, but what do you feel like? feels great. That's a refreshing. So not only are you listening to the Lord, because the Lord says he supplies all of our needs. Well, does he drop chicken casseroles out of heaven? No. Does he drop um, handwritten notes or a phone call out of heaven? Nope. Does he drop money out of heaven? Nope. Who does he use to supply someone's needs? His kids. But there's something about when he tells you to do it and you do it, it refreshes you as well. Yes. That's that's a great that's a great way to put it, Anne. It's like all the cookies, you know, that you're baking. Yes, yeah, sometimes, yeah, sometimes it is a chore. But, you know, when you know and can picture those pictures that went around, you picture those little baggies and those little cookies being eaten by the military, you bet. Okay. Um, so he goes after that. And, again, you know, where, where you put your emphasis, whoever trusts in his riches will fall. He who brings trouble on his family will inherit only wind. And the fool will be a servant to the wise. The fruit of the righteous, and I love this one, the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. The fruit, when you've got love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, come on out of every pore of your body. I'm telling you, that kind of life is the tree of life. And you know what it can do? He who wins souls is wise. So when you've got the fruit of the Spirit coming out of you, it's like what Peter says, be ready with an answer when people say, how come you can live like this? How come you act like this? How come you're selfless instead of like everybody else selfish? Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but he who hates correction is stupid. I don't know. My version said stupid. I checked another version. It said stupid. I didn't know the word stupid was in the Bible. <laughs> and I won't tell my grandchildren because that's one word they are not allowed to use. But the thing is, the Bible doesn't call someone stupid. They're saying, and, and there's sometimes when I see somebody making bad choices, when they're listening to folly instead of wisdom, I want to shake them and say, don't be so stupid. I mean, why would, you, why would you listen to that instead of this? So I guess sometimes stupid is the only word. A foreigner can understand that? <laughs> That's good. That's a good one, Adele. Adele. A good man obtains favor from the Lord, but the Lord condemns a crafty man. A man cannot be established through wickedness, but the righteous cannot be uprooted. I had you look up Ephesians 3. You are rooted in what? You're rooted in love. A wife of noble character is her husband's crown. A wife of noble character is her husband's crown. When I was doing this lesson, Tom was in the other room, so I hollered out to him. I said, a wife of noble character is her husband's crown. 
I yelled that. I was waiting for a response. He said nothing. All of a sudden, I, heard, I saw this. I saw <laughs> thumbs up. But a disgraceful wife is like decay to his bones. I mean, just gals, you got to look at that. I mean, that's kind of influence. I mean, you, I mean, it doesn't need any more explanation. The plans of the righteous are just, but the advice of the wicked is deceitful. Well, it's, it's uh, 11 o'clock. I just want to read a couple more. Um, verse 14, from the fruit of his lips, a man is filled with good things. I just want you to know that words are important, okay? I think Solomon is really getting that words are very important. A fool shows, a fool shows his annoyance at once. You know, have you met somebody who's just got a short fuse? They're mad right away. They're bent out of shape. But a prudent man overlooks an insult. You know, just make a wise choice. Let it go. Look at verse 18. Reckless words pierce like a sword. I think we all know that, right? But the tongue of the wise. Look at the tongue of the wise. Instead of... of piercing somebody and hurting somebody, your words just think could be a healing somebody. Truthful lips endure forever. Bonnie, I hope you don't mind me saying this. When our children were in, were in uh, Israel, we went together. And on our way home, we were at the Israeli airport, and we got integrated. Remember that? And that's kind of scary because they couldn't understand why two mothers would be there. They didn't believe us, actually. They didn't believe us. So they took Bonnie in one room, and they took me in another. And, and that was frightening. But the thing, the confidence that we both had is that we knew our stories would match because they were truthful. So, you know, when you have confidence that you're telling the truth, your story stays the same. But look at the second line. But a lying tongue lasts only a moment. Have you ever seen how people who lie, their story changes all the time? Look at verse 25. It says, an anxious heart, a worry heart, a fretting heart. An anxious heart weighs a man down. But just think, a kind word can cheer you up. I mean, a kind word can make such a difference. I'm going to close with the last one. In the way of righteous, there is life. Along that path is immortality. You know, everybody's talking about mortality but when you are right before the Lord, you can talk immortality because we're never going to die. Right living will take us right into eternity, and that is forevermore. What a great way to live. Happy Thanksgiving. See you next week.